0: Book One, Chapter Twelve of *The Leopard's Spots* by Thomas Dixon Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Book One, Legree's Regime, Chapter Twelve, Red Snowdrops. The spirit of anarchy was in the tainted air. The bonds that held society were loosened. Government threatened to become organized crime instead of the organized virtue of the community. The report of crimes of unusual horror among the ignorant and the vicious began now to startle the world. The Reverend John Durham, on his rounds among the poor, discovered a little Negro boy whom the parents had abandoned to starve. His father had become a drunken loafer at independence and the Freedmen's Bureau delivered the child to his mother and her sister who lived in a cabin about two miles from Hambright and ordered them to care for the boy a few days later the child had disappeared a search was instituted and the charred bones were found in an old ash heap in the woods near this cabin the mother had knocked him in the head and burned the body in a drunken orgy with dissolute companions the sense of impending disaster crushed the hearts of thoughtful and serious people one of the last acts of governor Macon, whose office was now under the control of the military commandant at Charleston South Carolina was to issue a proclamation appointing a day of fasting and prayer to God for deliverance from the ruin that threatened the state under the dominion of Legree and the Negroes it was a memorable day in the history of the people in many places they met in the churches the night before and held all-night watches and prayer meetings they felt that a pestilence worse than the black death of the middle ages threatened to extinguish civilization the baptist church at hambright was crowded to the doors with white-faced women and sorrowful men about ten o'clock in the morning pale and haggard from a sleepless night of prayer and thought the preacher arose to address the people the hush of death fell as he gazed silently over the audience for a moment. How pale his face! They had never seen him so moved with passions that stirred his inmost soul. His first words were addressed to God. He did not seem to see the people before him. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world even from everlasting to everlasting thou art God the people instinctively bowed their heads fired by the subtle quality of intense emotion the tones of his voice communicated and many of the people were already in tears thou turnst man to destruction and sayest return ye children of men Who knowest the power of thine anger? return o oh lord how long and let it repent thee concerning thy servants beloved he continued it was permitted unto your fathers and brothers and children to die for their country you must live for her in the black hour of despair there will be no roar of guns no long lines of gleaming bayonets no flash of pageantry or martial music to stir your souls you are called to go down man by man alone naked and unarmed into the blackness of night and fight with the powers of hell for your civilization you must look this question squarely in the face you are to be put to the supreme test you are to stand at the judgment bar of the ages and make good your right to life the attempt is to be deliberately made to blot out Anglo-Saxon society and substitute African barbarism. A few years ago, a southern representative, in a stupid rage, knocked Charles Sumner down with a cane and cracked his skull. Now it is this poor cracked brain, mad with hate and revenge, that is attempting to blot the southern states from the map of the world and build Negro territories on their ruins. In the madness of party passions, for the first time in history, an anarchist, Thaddeus Stevens, has obtained the dictatorship of a great constitutional government, hauled down its flag, and nailed the black flag of confiscation and revenge to its masthead. The excuse given for this, that the lawmakers of the South attempted to re-enslave the Negro by their enactments against vagrants and provisions for apprenticeship, is so weak a lie it will not deserve the notice of a future historian every law passed on these subjects since the abolition of slavery was simply copied from the codes of the northern states where free labor was the basis of society lincoln alone with his great human heart and broad statesmanship could have saved us but the south had no luck again and again in the war victory was within her grasp and an unseen hand snatched it away in the hour of her defeat the bullet of a madman strikes down the great president her last refuge in ruin god alone is our help let us hold fast to our faith in him we can only cry with aching hearts in the language of the psalmist of old how long O lord how long the voices of three men now fill the world with their bluster, Charles Sumner, a crack-brained theorist, Thaddeus Stevens, a club-footed misanthrope, and B. F. Butler, a triumvirate of physical and mental deformity. Yet they are but the cracked reeds of a great organ that peals forth the discord of a nation's blind rage. When the storm is past and reason rules passion, they will be flung into oblivion. We must bend to the storm it is god's will the people left the church with heavy hearts they were hopelessly depressed in the afternoon as the churches were being slowly emptied groups of negroes stood on the corners talking loudly and discussing the meaning of this new sunday so strangely observed it began to snow it was late in march and this was an unusual phenomenon in the south the next morning the earth was covered with four inches of snow that glistened in the sun with a strange reddish hue on examination it was found that every snowdrop had in it a tiny red spot that looked like a drop of blood nothing of the kind had ever been seen before in the history of the world so far as anyone knew this freak of nature seemed a harbinger of sure and terrible calamity even the most cultured and thoughtful could not shake off the impression it made the preacher did his best to cheer the people in his daily intercourse with them his sunday sermons seemed in these darkest days unusually tender and hopeful it was a marvel to those who heard his bitter and sorrowful speech on the day of fasting and prayer that he could preach such sermons as those which followed occasionally old uncle joshua miller would ask him to preach for the negroes in their new church on sunday afternoons he always went hoping to keep some sort of helpful influence over them in spite of their new leaders and teachers it was strange to watch this man shake hands with these negroes call them familiarly by their names ask kindly after their families and yet carry in his heart the presage of a coming irreconcilable conflict for no one knew more clearly than he that the issues were being joined from the deadly grip of that conflict of races that would determine whether this republic would be mulatto or anglo-saxon. Yet at heart he had only the kindliest feelings for these familiar dusky faces now rising a black storm above the horizon, threatening the existence of civilized society under the leadership of Simon Legree and Mr. Stevens it seemed a joke sometimes as he thought of it a huge preposterous joke this actual attempt to reverse the order of nature turn society upside down and make a thick-lipped fat-nosed negro but yesterday taken from the jungle the ruler of the proudest and strongest race of men evolved in two thousand years of history yet when he remembered the fierce passions in the hearts of the demagogues who were experimenting with this social dynamite it was a joke that took on a hellish sinister meaning end of book one chapter twelve